you for listening to another episode of the two-on-one podcast. Alex, we're back. Hi, Adam. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, you know what? It hasn't been fun. It has not been fun. It's been a tough November. It really has. It has uh, been a tough November. Not just in terms of hockey, but just... Um, uh, it's just, you know... It's, it's been just, a long month. Yeah. So, Alex, you... The plan is here that we talk about the heavy stuff involving... Mike Babcock, Bill Peters, and then we we get that stuff out the way. We're probably going to talk about it for a while, but then we get into the power hour, all the fun stuff we yell about our hockey teams. Me, angrily, you happily. Yeah. So I kind of have the situations broken up into uh, three parts. Uh, I got the Babcock situation, obviously. I have the Bill Peters situation, and then I have this kind of uh, extra part where it's called this is a hockey issue. This is a hockey yeah, this is a hockey issue. So, do you care uh which one we get into first? Do you want to get Mike out the way because we've talked a bit about him before and cuz I think the Peter stuff is what's going to really take up time. Okay. So, we'll go with uh the Mike Babcock stuff. So, I think last episode uh I was already upset about the Department of Player Safety, so I think I, I don't know. All, I think all our anger was, was out by the time we got to our teams. Yeah, so I, I think maybe this is very difficult. You know what? This was not as difficult as the Bill Peters one, but I think this is a difficult situation to talk about for me. Because this is my team, mm-hmm. and and I may get into a bit later about how I feel this team has been perceived for the last five years. So, if you don't know, uh, apparently in twenty seven, the on the road trip, Father's Weekend road trip in tw- January of twenty seventeen, uh, Mike Bab, Coach Mike Babcock, asked Mitch Marner to rank his teammates' effort level. Uh, from that season, in order of one through twenty, ranging from the hardest working to the laziest. Now, this was remember this is Marner's rookie year. Rookie year. So Marner said, "Okay, like he did it, and apparently he had put himself at the bottom of the list, and there was essentially an agreement that yes, uh, Marner needed to improve with his work ethic, which is the exact reason why this." this uh, activity was done. This list was created. But what Babcock didn't say was that he was going to show the list or show, tell the players at the bottom of the list that Marner ranked them at the bottom of the list. And those players were Tyler Bozak and Nazem Kadri. Bozak, his line mate. Bozak, his line, line mate, yeah. So this is from Ian Tulloch. Uh, According to multiple sources, Marner was in tears after the details of his list were shared, while his teammates were furious, specifically with Babcock. Uh, 
They couldn't believe their head coach would put a 19-year-old in that situation, especially considering how well-liked Marner was in the dressing room. So it it's a tough situation to put a 19-year-old in. Uh, it, it's really... There's a part of me that's surprised, and there's a part of me that's not surprised. Really? That this happened. And I'll explain why. You remember when Mike? there was a supposed trade uh, from Detroit, Mike Green would be sent to Toronto? Uh, yes, I do, and I know and where you're going Mike, with this. And Mike Green said no. Same with Valtteri Filpula. And same with Valtteri Filpula, who both and I know for a fact Mike Green played under Mike Green played under Mike Babcock. Yes. That says something. That says something. And he uh, Ian Tollett continues to say, I've spoken to numerous connected sources over the past few hours to break down exactly how Babcock has done similar things to other players he's coached in the past. And he cites uh, something from Detroit. Uh, he, Babcock asked a player questions about his teammates that were similar to the ones he asked Marner and then promptly shared the answers with the rest of the team. Jeff and and he's not the only one to find this type of stuff out. Jeff O'Neill came out and said uh, on Overdrive and basically said he talked to about five different players who played under Babcock, and this is the this is basically how it they, he described them: hardworking coach, very dedicated to his craft, loves winning hockey games, loves hockey. At the end of the day, one of the worst human beings they've ever been around. Can I read you something that Carlo Kaliakovo said, apparently? Yeah, I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah. So on Babcock, he said, Every year in Detroit, the leaders would go in and try and get him fired, but Ken Holland wouldn't even entertain the conversation. Those are the same leaders you would assume are the likes of Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk that once Babcock left, even admitted that it was time to move on. So it's clearly always been there, but nothing was done. Well, Jeff O'Neill went on to talk about the Mike Medano situation, which Mike Medano currently sits at 1,499 games played, thanks to Mike Babcock. And uh, healthy scratching Jason Spezza on opening night against Toronto in his hometown. And I didn't know this at the time, but apparently Jason, I personally did not know that Jason Spezza came two months early to Toronto to start working with the young guys. He then also scratched him against the Sens, who, of course, for those of you who don't know. That was their opening. That was their opening game. Oh, wasn't there? I thought it was against. Oh, okay. So I'm stupid. Never mind. And of course, that is Jason Spezza's. He played his best years. Of course, he was there when they went to the cup final. So so now that I go back and look at Babcock saying he doesn't know the penalty kill or this and that and whatever excuses he came up with, it, it just seems like a load of crap. Also, of course, we always bring it up, but just just to put the nail in the coffin, of course, 
We all know Mike Modano, 499, never got game 1500 because of Mike Babcock. He was scratched 10 games. 10 games. Here's the thing. I don't put the blame, this situation, I don't put the blame on the players for not saying anything for three and a half years. How I, I think it's been about three and a half years. At the end of the day, they don't want to ruin their careers. You get, And I get Marner, because Marner's a superstar. If the, the He'll go anywhere and play. But there's certain, and this is as a whole, there's players who can't necessarily get a job anywhere. And if they speak out once, they're screwed. Because like we've talked about on this podcast before, there's the 200 hockey men. And word gets around to these 200 people quite fast. So you make one wrong move. You say one wrong thing. It's the same reason that it was. It's very similar to the reason we were talking about last week. Why the reporters weren't talking about this earlier. If they put out something like this, how fast do you think the Leafs say bye? Thank you for coming. We don't need you anymore. We're, we're, you don't. You can't come and come to come here anymore. How fast do you think that happens? Uh, I would assume when Lou was there instantaneously, and it would continue to happen today, probably. You destroy your career if you're wrong, or even if you were right. No one's going to admit to it when he's still there. Hockey players just don't do that. Right. And I think if we could take one specific thing from this situation is his style of coaching outside of hockey, managing the players outside of hockey, does not work anymore. You want to instill fear in the players? It doesn't work. And I'm sick and tired of hearing, or not hearing, sick and tired of reading Uh, I've seen tweets like this claiming that players are becoming too soft. That's a load of horse crap. It's society that's changed and that's, and people can't deal with that. Can I ask ask you about one thing? Because I think a lot more of this, we can talk about with uh, Bill Peters and that. Does your stance change about Mike Commodore now? Okay, I was going to bring this up in a little bit. My stance on what he's trying to show, I I praise him for trying to put this out there that look at all this stuff that happens because we'll get to this in, later. This is stuff that needs to come out now. It needs to come out as soon as it happens. I don't some there's some of the things that he's done I don't necessarily agree with. It's one thing to say I don't like Babcock because of this. It's one thing to say I don't like Babcock and then just dump on him. And then post a picture of him at his hotel or wherever he is. Right? There's two different those are two different things. I agree with that we should Not necessarily that we need to know the stories, but necessary that these stories are now coming out and teams are teams are going to have to start doing stuff about this now. Do you think Mike Babcock works in the NHL ever again? I wouldn't be surprised if he works in the NHL again. 
Now, when we get to Bill Peters, that's a compl- I have a completely different answer. Because, really? Well, you think Bill Peters is working in the NHL again? Oh, no, but I, I don't think Babcock is either. You know what the thing is? You can't look. This is why I broke it up. You can't look at the Mike Babcock situation and you can't look at the Bill Peters situation as one thing. They are completely separate instances. They are completely separate situations. Very different. I okay. You're. I'd say you're half right. The racism is uh, inexcusable. But there was a story about how, and yeah, we're gonna talk more, but about Bill Peters like physically yes, hitting yes, his players. I, if that's physical abuse, what Mike Babcock has done with Marner in that that is mental abuse. But the fact that Bill Peters went the ex is. It's not just physical abuse and the fact that it's physical abuse and racism is 10, 10 times different than – more than 10 times different than what Mike Babcock did. I'm not saying Mike Babcock gets a job tomorrow or I'm not saying Mike, Mike Babcock might not get another NHL job for a couple years. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him – Behind an NHL bench again at one point. But who's that dumb and is willing to risk that sort of PR disaster? I I, I don't know. I'm I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that question. But I'm I would not be surprised. <laughs> now, okay, I, there's other things that that I want to get to with this situation is as this is coming from a Leafs fan and, and it for the last five years or more since Brendan Shanahan was in charge and Lou Lamorello was hired, we've been told time and time again that, the Leafs are being run as a tight ship. But then stuff like this happens. And I, I'm not entirely sure if, like, what this is. And I know Lamrello had had an inc- – I don't – you know the incident, right, Adam? Which Lamorello one exactly? There's one I know of, but I don't know if he's The exactly. one, yeah. The, the one that you, you texted me about. The cell phone thing. Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah, there's I just don't understand. It's like we were being the Lee fans have been were being misled for years and it kind of pisses me off. Are you sure you guys didn't just ignore it? Because the moment they lost the first series against Boston, they lost. We've never heard before that. No, that's three years, three years before that. But Alex. People, I mean, like, the moment Babcock flew to Arizona for the first time, there should have been some red flags when they okay, competitive that's fine. team. Right, right. So that's after year three of Mike Babcock, correct? Or year yeah. two? That no, was after year, year two. Yeah. Year two. So for the first two years... We were being told this team is a tight ship. Management is being run tight, like whatever. You know what I'm talking about? This persona, this this personality that's been created. 
Yes. This is what we're being told. Whether people believe it or not, this is what mm-hmm. we're being told. It's I don't know what to what to get out of that. Is is it just Babcock or is it the entire thing that's just BS? I because mean... <laughs> because we know that Lamorello knows about it. I'm pretty sure we know, I I'm pretty sure we know Shanahan knows about it, but no one did anything about it. And I want to know what the conversation was in that room because I know they asked Shanahan about it, and Shanahan said, uh, "It's the past. We would have dealt with, with thinking on it. Now we should have dealt with it differently." Something along the lines of that. Maybe it's normal but, well, to Shanahan because he played for Babcock for even when I think it was a season. Shanahan's one of the greatest players of all time. He played in that gritty era. I mean, Shanahan as a player was a dick, uh, so he probably thinks it's normal. And then Lula Morello is basically a, a a mob boss of a GM. He saw it as normal. He must have. Do you okay now that you now that the Leafs have a different? Let's just go with a different generation in charge, and Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe as the coach, and a whole new hockey generation. Do you think that? changes Brendan Shanahan's perspective or you think Brendan Shanahan is a type of guy who's stubborn I think Brandon Shanahan likes the position he's in and the paycheck he's getting and I think he's going to go along with it go he along com- with go along with what Kyle Dubas is doing yes because that's the way the organization the organization is gone okay. I doubt he felt in charge with Lou he may have been Lou's boss but you're tell but he let's be honest he wasn't Lou right. is his boss. I mean, what I mean is Lou is his own boss. Right. So this is the last point I want to get to on the Babcock situation, and then I'd like to get on the Bill Peter situation. Yeah. So when Mike ba- – I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it quite clearly. When Mike Babcock first joined the Toronto Maple Leafs, Number one during his press conference, and number two, he was. Uh, I remember listening to this on primetime sports. He said he wanted to make Toronto a safe place to play for the young guys, and he wanted to bring people from Ontario to come play for the Leafs because no one wanted to. No one wanted to, no one from Ontario wanted to come play in Toronto because it was a nightmare. So, explain to me. I get he apologized. I get Mike Babcock apologize. I don't know what that means. I, I because it still seems like everyone, no one on this team really liked him. What does doing something like this do? What goes through his mind that says this is the right thing to do, to share it? I I don't know if I necessarily have a problem with him ma- even making a list. I have a major problem with him showing the players. Maybe he's he's out. It's so it's clear he's done this before. There's a new generation of players in the league. Maybe he's just out of touch. Maybe it's the psychology degree people love saying he's talking about, and he thinks he's trying to play with players, and he reali- and he didn't realize that it just it doesn't work anymore, Alex. Like I said before, his style of coaching and managing players just does not work anymore. No, does not work. Now, from this, do you remember in the summer? Uh, one Mr. Mitch Marner claimed he felt disrespected by the organization when he wasn't offered performance bonuses. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> what are the chances? That's a whole load of BS. Well, what I, are I the mean, chances? A good part of that's Darren Ferris, right? And it's not like you can't go and bash the coach when at the time it felt like the coach was the most protected player in the league. But I think there was definitely more to it. And you can't tell me the negotiation doesn't go easier if Mike Babcock's, you know. But here's the thing with this with this negotiation. That's something we didn't see a lot from other negotiations. Marner came out and said he wanted to play in Toronto. I don't remember that happening with any other Darren Ferris organized uh, uh, negotiation. Because at his core, Mitch Marner is a Leafs fan. Mitch Marner, yeah. He is very, if you really think about it, I don't remember the last time I saw a player that quite wanted to play in the market. I think the only players I can think of were PK and Mitch. And Mitch is actually getting the chance to stay there. Right. So that's why I'm saying I think whether or not it had the biggest effect on the negotiation, I definitely think it had an effect. Because, And if that's the case, I can't blame Dubis for that negotiation at all. Because he, remember, there were rumors that he wanted to fire Babcock in April, but he was told he wasn't. We all thought it, we, we all thought it was going to happen. I, I, I thought it was going to happen. I thought Babcock coached his last game in Toronto. Since Xero thought it was going to happen. Except he had like 23 more games he was allowed to coach. <laughs> so if Mike Babcock, and I know we don't. I don't like playing the what if, the what if game. But what if Mike Babcock was fired? Does that? I'm not saying the negotiation isn't going to be uh, messy. It's still Darren Ferris. It's still at the end of the day. It's still Darren Ferris. But the fact is, Mitch Marner was a Maple Leaf. Mitch Marner wanted to be a Maple Leaf. Publicly, he said he wanted to be a Maple Leaf. Does that negotiation go a bit differently? Because at the end of the day, yes, Darren Ferris is his agent, but who's making the decisions? It's all Mitchie. It's Mitch Marner. And it also doesn't help that this situation happened on the father's trip. And Uh, we all know Paul Marner, right? We've all seen that, uh, what was it, the CP24 or na- the National the, Club? The CBC, yeah. yeah. CBC, all, sorry. And we all know what he said, all the things he've said, he said. Yeah, on the, the athletic you're te- article, yeah. You're telling me that this negotiation isn't just a little bit easier if Mike Babcock isn't coach? It's, uh, there is a book to be written about this one day. There is. Do we right. do we want to get to Akimalu, Bill Peters? Because uh, I yeah. have some, I have some. So first of all, do you want me to? I have what Akimalu originally said. I have Peter everything. Said. I have okay. everything. So how do you how do you want to do this then? I'll 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 just I'll go. It's okay. Okay. All right. So Akimalu played. Uh, for the Rockford Ice Hogs, which was the Chicago AHL team, uh, and Bill Peters was coaching at the time. This was in 2009, 
I believe. I'll get it up. So this is from Frank Cervelli's uh, article. He, this is this is the quote. He walked in before a morning pre pregame skate and said, "I'm si- Hey, Akeem. This is Bill Peters. Hey, Akeem. I'm sick of you playing that NS. Uh, allude told TSN with Peters, who was then the Ice Hogs head coach, referring to a, a loose selection of hip hop music. He said, "I'm sick of hearing this NF other N in the ass stuff." He then walked out like nothing ever happened. You could hear a pin drop in the room. Everything went dead silent. I just sat down in my stall, didn't say a word. Uh, this was the 2009-10 season, by the way. 2009-10. When Peters then called Alou into his office to talk about it, Alou said Peters did not apologize. Instead, Peters again expressed his dis- displeasure in Alou's choice of music for the dressing room, with Alou saying, Peter said, you know, I'm just sick of this NS. It's every day. From now on, we need to play different music. This is the first incident. The first Bill Peters incident. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. Like, that's how disgust. Like, I felt uncomfortable reading that. It's just, it's jaw dropping. It's, it's ignorant. It's, it's racist. I think at first we were all like, oh my God, with Don Cherry. But this was just. No, this is a, this is a whole different thing. I haven't been this shocked by a, a sports story since the Donald Sterling stuff. I don't even know. Like, it's really bad. And the, the worst part is, so Rod Francis knew about it. The ownership group at the time came out and said they no, knew about it. Ron, no, though, that's a, Ron Francis, that's uh, Carolina. That's the second incident. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, but yeah. So this isn't the first time. Then there was Michael Jordan, not the football, not not the basketball, you know, greatest of all time, but a former Canes player said that uh, this is also from Saint uh, Frank Cervelli. He's really good, isn't he? Multiple physical altercations between Peters and players in Carolina. Uh, Jordan said he kicked me pretty hard in the back during a game. Even the trainers and the other guys saw it. And then this is, sorry, and then that's when Ron Francis, former GM, now the GM of Seattle, knew about it, and uh, nothing was done. Well, here's what, uh, if since you brought it up, Jeff Baker of C- the Seattle Times uh, got a quote from uh, her, or got a quote from Hurricanes, former Hurricanes owner, uh, Carmanos. Says he would have fired Bill Peters in a nanosecond had GM Ron Francis told him of player abuse allegations. And this this was confirmed. This isn't just the players. Rod Brindamore even came out, who was the assistant at the time, said it definitely happened. He goes, "It is for sure. It for sure happened. The two issues that are that are in question. So the two issues. There's the one with Jordan, and there's an unnamed Hurricanes player." Uh, Brindamore went on to say to me it's what happened after that I'm proud about actually the way the players handled it and the way the support staff handled it which was to bring it to management right away and then management handled it directly and never heard of it again and never saw anything else after that now we should say the Flames as well as the NHL are, are, are 
doing investigations right now. Peters is probably about to meet with the NHL. He's not been fired, even though Sports Center first said they did. Uh, I want to read you the Sixero tweet quickly. I'm sure you saw it, but uh, this is from Sid Sixero, probably one of the best members of Sportsnet. Bill Peters' story. One, accused of making racial remarks to former player. Two, two people corroborated it. Three, Peters admitting to saying it. Four, Peters accused of physical abuse of players during games in Carolina. Five, Rod Brindamore confirms it. And finally, how has Peters not been fired yet? So I actually have that as a set. I have that as a question here. So it's actually quite obvious that Bill Peters will not be coaching the Calgary Flames again. Now, at this point, it's really just coming down to a legal thing, whether his contract can be terminated or whether they just fire him and have to pay out the rest of his contract. That's what's happening behind the scenes it's not a matter of oh we're going to do this investigation and then we'll decide if he's going to be coach if that was the case we'd be in a it'd be a very different it'd be a very different sense what what's going on because it's it's been confirmed right I, I, that both of these incidents have happened at this point it's literally down to a legal thing uh, I think did. they put it best on Tim and said, I think it was Ryan Leslie, that a fan might just say, a normal person, anyone who's not a lawyer says, why is this taking so long? And anyone who is a lawyer understands the legal ramifications of this. Yeah, because it comes down to, are we going to pay out the rest of his contract and just fire him? Or can we term actually go ahead and terminate his contract? And that's what's go basically going on behind the scenes right now. Now, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Bill Peters put out a state or not put out. He sent oh, a statement oh, I to oh, Bradtree Living. So I'm going to read it out. Brad, please accept this as a sincere apology to you and the entire Calgary Flames organization for offensive language I used in a professional setting a decade ago. I know that my comments may have been the source of both anger and disappointment, and I understand why. Although it was an isolated and immediately regrettable incident, I take responsibility for what I said. The statement was made in a moment of frustration and does not reflect my personal values. After the incident, I was rightfully challenged about my use of language, and I immediately returned to the dressing room to apologize to the team. I have regretted the incident since it happened, and now and now I also apologize to anyone negatively affected by my words. So right there, he says something completely different than what we've been told. We were told beforehand, I from in the Frank Cervelli article, that there were, he did not come back and apologize. He called. Alou into his office and then said this said something else to him. So that's interesting. Read, do you want to read what uh, what Akeem said? I have what like his response up. Yeah, there's more. Do you want to hear the rest of the apology? Do we? I uh, oh for I don't even think it's an apology. It's yeah. It there's not. It's basically him just talking at this point. It's, it's just lawyer speak, really. Yes. Yes. Yeah, go ahead and read a Lou statement. So from Akeem Alou, 
I've quote, I have read the statement of Bill Peters, which I found to be misleading, insincere, and concerning. I have accepted an invitation from the NHL to meet and discuss the situation. Out of respect for that process, I will not respond publicly to the statement or discuss the racism and discrimination that I have endured until after my meeting. Exactly what you said, Alex, there, that it's that what Bill's Peter said wasn't quite right. And even the keen there is like, guys, like, <clears throat> there's something wrong here. Now, of course, let, like, let us remember that. He's not going to come out. It's like when everyone was getting pissy at Austin Matthews never apologized. They're in the middle of a legal situation, a legal investigation. So right. it's not a surprise that he hasn't come out and been like, I'm sorry to Akeem because then you're basically admitting it and you're putting he, yourself into a hole. But that's the thing. He did admit it. Read the, read, let me read, I'll read you the apology, the first sentence. Uh, but it's an apology to the Flames and Brad. It wasn't to Akeem. I understand, but I get it. But he says, for offensive language I used in a professional setting a decade ago. He's admitting to using offensive language. It's the it's a matter of this is just a bunch of this is the lawyers basically told him to put this out. Oh yeah, they typed it up and everything. The, the only thing about Bill Peters actually here is the signature. Uh it's just it it's just very it's really ridiculous this this situation. And and I guess, is there anything else you want to see on this, this this specific situation? I wanted to get your thoughts on how the PA want players to reach out through them. Yeah, that's. I was going to bring that up, bring that up as well. Uh, here's here's my take. Is I know is not. I don't know. So I've never played. I never got to play hockey. So I don't know what the locker room uh, atmosphere is like. I can only imagine what it is based on what I've been told. And it seems like they're supposed to be a tight-knit group. So to go and – and I get the PA wants you to go and tell them what's happening. It's – you know what the thing is? I think – there's going to be there's no matter what there's going to be back some type of backlash until this idea changes that people we need to expose these the people that are doing the wrong things i don't mind if the play if if a player let's say it happened today if the player went to the pa the pa talked to the team and the team did something about it but the thing is that's not happening it's it said something that Akeem didn't say anything until he was out of the league. Right, because he was scared. He was uh, scared of what would happen if he tried to get back in the league. No, it's it, it is smart of the PA to do it from you know a point of view of oh hey we're the PA we're getting involved like that is what they should do. Right, but it's 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 really an empty offering because players aren't going to do anything. Okay, so my my question to you, back to you then, is, and I guess this is a good transition to into our next part, is 
what does the PA have to do or what does the team have to do to for it to be okay for the players to come out and say, you know what, this this coach did something or this trainer did something or this staff member did something. What does what needs to happen in the league? Because I don't know. Uh, you know what? To me, Alex, it's a it it needs to be a change in culture, and maybe all of this with this next generation is the change they need. But right now, it's just it, it has been a thing in the league forever. And I know this is a bit. I don't know if you're going to agree with me saying this, but you know how the league has never had an openly gay player yeah. because it is seen as a distraction. There was the ESPN polls about players didn't want to do sponsorship stuff. Because it was a distraction. And there is this stupid thing with players about they forget the morality of stuff and it's all about the team. And of course, yeah, me and you have never been in an environment and we get it. But just as a person, they, it, just, it, it is a complete culture change that needs to happen. Because it's not going to change unless that change happens. But I'm not convinced it's going to. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I agree with I, I I agree with the idea that you're putting out there. Here's the thing. It's and this is and I see a lot of people saying similar things to you, right? That there needs to be a complete culture change. It's easy to say there needs to be a complete culture change, but the thing with a culture change is it doesn't happen in a in a second. This takes time. This takes years. Think about how long the like analytics departments, how long that's taken to get to get into the NHL. And that's still not perfect. And that's still not perfect. Right. How long like what's the I guess what I'm asking you is what is the first step that needs to be taken? Because what you're suggesting is great and what you're suggesting is extremely valid, but what you're suggesting is uh, the big picture. What's one like? What's something that the team or the PA can necessarily do? Well, uh, maybe then the PA coming out and asking players to come through them is the is the first step. And I guess going hand in hand in that is the league need to do something about it. What exactly it is 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 I don't know because it's it's not like the league have been that proactive and stuff before. But that that's the thing. I think the league and the PA need to work together on this because. Right now, it just seems to be only the PA doing something, and it's a given that the league needs to do an investigation themselves, but I bet they're looking at it more as a PR issue than it is a cultural issue. So I think it is the league taking this seriously as an issue that is bigger than just the game. Do you think that because realistically there's – or yeah, realistically there's a lack of minorities in the NHL? Oh, for sure. If there wasn't a lack – Right, because we don't see a lot of this in football, or we don't see a lot of this in baseball. Or, well, no, sorry, that's wrong. We do see st- we see instances of racism or discrimination go on in baseball, football, and basketball, but we see that stuff handled fast and right, or most of the time it's handled correctly. So, and why is that? Because there's more minorities in those games. And the thing is, I think hockey might be lagging behind a little bit because they're not proactively looking to get out there and and bring in those minorities. Because at the end of the day, it's very expensive to um, 
to play hockey. Very expensive. The equipment's not cheap. Ice time is is expensive. Just signing up for a team, like it's expensive. What? And I think that's the first step. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that's the first step. I don't know who would be involved in that, if it's the league or if it's the PA or if it's both of them, uh, maybe Hockey Canada and or the national programs need to step in and do something about something like that. Because it's not only minorities, but hockey as a whole, number one, I believe viewership is down, but also participation is down. So that's that says a lot to me that number one, there's this discrimination. Number two, participation is down. Now we need to increase participation and deal with this discrimination because at the end of the day, there's going to be discrimination, whether we like it or not. If you go on Twitter, it's there. If you go on any social media, it's there. You go to a hockey game, you're you're most likely going to see it. But it's the it's a matter of dealing with it correctly. And if you can't deal what I have a problem with is the fact that players can't deal with it correctly at the time is a huge concern. The fact that he had to wait 10 years, almost 11 years to talk about this is a major concern for me. It's it's really funny there. You're mentioning things like Hockey hockey Canada. And of course, Bill Peters is a Hockey Canada guy. Mike Babcock is a Hockey Canada guy. There is no bigger boys club in sports than Hockey Canada. Right. And it, it, it's... It's the league is patting itself on the back for the littlest thing. Oh, Seattle hired one woman for analytics. The Leafs have been... I'm trying not to use obscene language here, but people have been giving the Leafs credit for hiring Kaylee Wickenheiser for about half a decade now. For one hire. And it's, it's, it's so annoying. And it's more than just the league. It's the media, too. I cannot tell you... How often have you seen the Muse Harbenmeyer sing besides bringing him on for Hockey Central New to talk about Don Cherry or celebrating uh, Hockey Night in Punjabi? They only bring him out for either PR stuff or damage control with Don Cherry. So it's more than just the league itself. It's, you were bringing it up earlier. It's, it's, a, it's more than just hockey. Right. It's a soci- this comes down to a society issue. But you if you want to get into that that's bigger than dealing with the hockey issue it's quite a, and i brought it up before you go on social media for anything i'm i'm talking about hockey you could talk about any sport in general you can get into any topic this stuff is going to be there 24/7 right this, now the saying of Elliot freeman's grandmother someone would cure cancer and people would still find a way to hate it yeah i think so that's what thing is so it's easy for us to sit here and say the hockey culture needs to change or society needs or the people who disagree need to change. But at the end of the day, that's hard to do. Uh, you need to 
you have to take it one step at a time. So here's the thing. I wanted to bring up what you said about uh, the Leafs hiring Haley Wickenheiser and uh, Seattle. I don't. Uh, I believe Seattle hired Alex Mandricki. Yes. It's great that they did that. So you, listen, you hire a woman. Great. That's that's a step ahead. But to talk about it for the next five to ten years, no. Start bringing more people in. Like, don't pie yourself. I agree with you. Don't pie yourself on the back for five years. That name doesn't me, make sense. Name me more than one person of color who works for an NHL team that isn't a player. Three of them. I, you can't do it. No, I, can't I can't name you. I can't name you a single person of color who isn't a player in, in working in the league, period. I can't do it. No, I can't. And that comes back to the conversation we were having before, that the game itself doesn't have many minorities in it. And and the reasons behind that, not sure. We can, This is one of them. This is one of them, for sure. Something like this, this keeps people away. The cost keeps everyone away. Not just minorities, everyone. You know what's a really big red flag for me, Alex, is is Adam Wilde was making the point of in Toronto, like, like people who are white are the minority now. And that's the biggest market in the league. So when you aren't reaching out to the different demographics of people in arguably your biggest market, that is, is, is proof of how downhill the game is going. That is a problem. Well, that's a part of a of a that is a part of a different conversation. Like it's part of this conversation, but that's also a part of a completely different conversation about how the league is how the league is running, and we talked about it last week about the whole uh, suspension, and and I brought up the point that no one gives a crap about hits anymore. Our generation, I can't name you five people I know my, our, around our age who watches hockey who cares about the hits. No. I watch commercials on TV for, for uh, basketball, for football, for soccer. You know what I see? I don't see uh, football. I don't see a lot of hits. For basketball, I don't see any contact. I see dunks. I see three-pointers. I see crazy catches. I see crazy goals. Why is it that? Even if you go back in the day, Alex, if you show me a clip of Scott Stevens or you show me a clip of Pavel Datsuk, I'm watching Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, like I couldn't care less. Like it's great. If you want to go see two people beat the crap out of each other, I guarantee you UFC and boxing would love to take you. At least in UFC and boxing, it's that's what it is. It is a combat sport. They openly know that it's bad. Listen, they know. But there's a lot of conversations we can stem on, and I think we'll eventually get to it because inevitably something will happen uh, when it comes to the league, how it runs, who it's targeting. We'll... That's a completely separate conversation. But from right now, listen, I found a quote from Mark Boriecki. Uh, uh, this was, I, be- I don't remember where I found it, but I really like it. 
It's all about individual relationships and how you treat people. If you don't want to get called out for stuff, treat people with respect, period. It seems like a pretty simple formula to me. I think we've all got, we've all likely got stories dating back to minor hockey of stuff that probably isn't acceptable now. The people resisting this change, it's almost futile. Society is changing as a whole. It's about time sports changed with it. He's completely right. I've never agreed with this man more. He should make a video of Eugene Melnick talking about it. Stop it. Let's try, we'll try to be serious. <laughs> See, what I was hoping is that that would be our transition. Now, I don't know. What else do you want to say on the note of, of, of the league or on Bill Peters, Mike Babcock, any of it, Alex? Well, I think both this, all the situations we've talked about are absolutely disgusting and absolutely ridiculous. I think the league really needs to look at itself, uh, needs to take a look in the mirror and figure out what it wants to do. I think the PA, just by stating that itself, is a good first is a good first small step. I hope that the PA does some more stuff that makes players feel more comfortable and teams are more open about it. And I think we're going to see a lot more players talking soon. They're probably going to be retired, but the the fact that these stories are coming out to start with are impressive, are good. All right. Well, does that mean we want to move on, Alex? Yes. So I think now we can agree. First of all, let me just ask you: Hasn't this this year for the NHL just sucked? I just yeah. want I just want the fun back in hockey. I think this month has been quite tiring. Well, Alex, let's turn off the serious switch and let's turn on the two hundred one podcast normal stick. And you know how we start the show, don't you? Alex, I mean Adam. I think you should say Alex, we're back again. All right, put some music in. Alex, we're back. <laughs> What's up? How are you? Oh, uh, good. Tired. I know, right? Uh, how far are we into the show, may I ask? We have been on Skype for nearly an hour. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, Alex, I actually really liked that discussion. Yeah, that was good. It was a productive discussion. You did most of the work. You did all the work, so shout out to you there. Uh, but anyway, we're in the power hour, Alex. First of all, I think we should give a congratulations to Henrik Lundqvist, the best-looking man on this planet. He is now fifth all-time in goalie wins, 455 wins, Monday night against the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that is awesome. And I think he got another one last night because uh, Hockey Reference has him at 456 wins. Uh, thank you, Hockey Reference, for making my notes out of date. Psst. It's but yeah, that's all. Listen, man, he. I don't know if number two is in the sign in in sight for him because that's five hundred and fifty one, but with Patrick Waugh, but Roberto Longo sits number three at four eighty nine. I mean, he. It's funny that even at his age and how far he is from what he was, he's still one of the better goalies in the league. Yeah. And Mark Andre Fleury is close behind him at 450. Yeah, it's weird to think that, eh? Mark Andre Fleury is not slowing down either, is he? He is not slowing down. He's cost Mike Babcock his job twice. 
That's <laughs> true. Oh. Uh, I gotta ask you this, Alex. Did you know that even animals can be heroes, even if they don't wear capes? Yes. Because the Anaheim Ducks have brought down justice. I think they deserve a round of applause. That is me clapping, obviously, because the Ducks have stopped the Islanders' seven-game point streak. 3 nothing shutout on Monday night. Their first loss, get this, October 11th. It is, it is November 28th that's a, when we are recording. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I think I saw are, that. That was, that was the 32nd best streak in the history of the game. Oh, my God. That's oh, 32nd? Come on. Yeah. Which, first of all, you realize, that's it. But then you realize, wait a minute, this game's pretty old. And Detroit, Montreal, and Edmonton <laughs> used to be really good. Yeah. And the Islanders. But screw them. They don't matter because they lost. Uh, the Boston <laughs> Bruins, Alex. Uh, they did some contract stuff today. Chris Wagner gets a three-year deal. 1.35 uh, for AAV. Charlie Coyle gets a six-year deal. 5.25. Thoughts on your deal? On, uh, sorry, your thoughts on these deals for the Bruins. Well, the Wagner contract, I wasn't, I didn't really care much about. Not care. I just there's not much to say about it. He's really just your bottom six player, if not your fourth line player. But the Charlie Coyle one, I thought was quite interesting. He's 27 now. Uh, he'll be 28 when the contract starts. So it's going until he's 34. He was traded to Boston last year for Ryan Donato and a fourth round pick. And I really think that for who? That was really bad for Minnesota. Looking how good Coyle's been. Yeah. And I really think that this is the player that Boston has been looking for. Um, With Krejci getting older, uh, Coyle could could potentially take over as second line center. Right now he's playing uh, second line winger. He actually had 16 points in 24 playoff games last year. He was a god against Toronto. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So was the rest of the lot, the Bruins. So, uh, so was Nazem Kadri and his suspensions. Anyway, though, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I hate that things are going well for the Bruins because uh, who, who likes the Bruins? I have to ask. Uh, definitely not Lee for Habs fans. So exactly. Uh, so uh, I really like Rasmus Dahlin. He's really fun to watch. They don't talk about him that much. He's a Calder finalist. He's now out indefinitely with a concussion. Eric Cernak of the Tampa Bay Lightning gets two games for elbowing him in the head. We have not been shy about giving it to player safety on this show. So Alex, what are your thoughts? Eric Cernak, two games. I don't know if. Listen, I'm too happy to yell about this today. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And I, I just did all. We just had that nice long discussion. I don't want to get into it again about the Department of Player Safety. Is two games enough? Sure. I, I, I don't. What do you think? Because I was, I was back and forth with, with this one. Is Eric Cernak a repeat offender? I don't believe so. So in in that case, let's say then you know what they've given him something. And let me ask you this. How much did Brandon Dillon get? Zero. Exactly. That's It's a, it's a start. It just sucks that. Uh, I, this is a, what I would, it, it's a blip in the road. I doubt they're going to continue this, but I mean, 
he's out indefinitely. He's got more than one game. Should it be more? Like four, maybe? Yes, but at least he got something, which well, when it comes uh, after, to concussions, you wish it the- more. Yeah, but after the buffoonery they pulled with Robert Bertuzzo, they can't give him four games. No. Yeah, they they know what they did. So, Alex, some bad news, though. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Devin Dubnik are both going to be out for a little bit of time. Family emergencies. Uh, we don't know how long for. I know Dubnik at least has three kids. I think Fleury may have as well. So, best wishes to them and their families. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to give a quick a quick shout out though. I don't have it on the notes, Alex. Matt Murray and I believe it is Markstrom. Jacob Jacob Markstrom. Of course, Matt Murray lost his father a few years ago. Jacob Markstrom did as well recently. They had a little moment in the game the other day. Uh, really sweet stuff. Yeah, I saw it last night in the eight six game. <laughs> my God! My God! My I love God! That. I love high-scoring games when it's not my team involved. <laughs> there, there was a there was a nine-goal game that Montreal was involved in the other day. Uh, too bad eight of them were against Montreal. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> how many points did I, Patterson have last night? I gotta check this. Only had two. Come on, Elias. JT Miller's been really good for them, hasn't he? I have a quick Taylor Hall update since we are, uh, since it's on the list. So, who is Dan Rosen of NHL.com said that the Devils would like to land a young NHL ready defenseman along with a high picker prospect. Uh, however, Rosen makes it clear that might be too much, and the Devils will likely have to settle for a first-round pick along with a later-round pick and a prospect among the teams. Uh, Rosen mentions could land Hall are Colorado, the Islanders, Flames, Dallas, Oilers, and Canadians. Now, there there are rumors flying around that Calgary has called about Taylor Hall and has offered has offered New Jersey Rasmus Anderson a first, and that's the pa- and there's a package build around that. Okay, first of all, you ever notice Dallas is in on every big player? Yeah, that's, second, that is true. Second of all, I'm not going to worry about Taylor Hall possibly being happy because I refuse to get my hopes up, even though there is a connection with the Subban trade. But, I mean, is that... that I would hope it's more than just the player and the pick because I would assume there would be a lot more. You could get a lot more than that. I'm not. That's surprised. Unless they can get a uh, extension in. Wow. Do you, is it possible that the Sens are going to get more for Eric Carlson than the Devils are going to get for Taylor Hall? Yes. Yes. Anything? Anything else on the old Taylor Hall front, or is that? No, that's it. All right. Uh, God, Calgary. Uh, they really are. Leafs West, the more and more you think about it, aren't they? Yep. Yes, but, yes, they are. But they don't they don't have a a Sheldon Keefe, they don't have Kyle Dubas. I, I wanted to quickly mention Marco Scandella, Colin Miller, because somehow the Buffalo Sabres are in cap hell right now. They're sitting NHL caliber defensemen, and now they're trying to move on from these players. Now, um 
They also, Zach Bogosian is going to be in soon, so that's going to make it even worse for them. And really funny, there's a story that Patrick Berglund, who basically lit millions and millions of dollars away to not play for Buffalo, is considering a return to the NHL. I believe there's a story coming out on the 30th, so in two days, uh, as we're recording this. So I'd really like to see what that story has to say, and I'm assuming we'll talk about it uh, once it comes out. Yeah. But Buffalo, I, I saw Scandella and I thought, you know who was interested in Marco Scandella a few years ago before they got him from Minnesota? The Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal Canadiens. Is uh, he left-handed? He is. Ooh. Taylor Hall and Marco Scandella. Now, there's also another defenseman that was linked to the Montreal Canadiens who I wanted to bring up here. Unfortunately, he's hurt. Uh, that's Alec Martinez. This is from Patrick O'Neill. Update on Kings defenseman Alec Martinez. Late last night in the third period, he sustained a, la- a laceration to his right wrist, wrist, sorry, underwent successful surgery to repair a radical artery and two superficial radial nerves. He will make a full recovery and be evaluated weekly. Uh, wow, that sounded technical. Which is when you know it could be very scary. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, because I just got a notification. I had missed it before. Uh, Miko Rantanen will return on Saturday following 16 game absence against the Chicago Blackhawks. God damn it, because they're coming to the East. I'm going to the game versus Montreal and Colorado next week. It's like, great, I get to see Miko Rantanen, but it's versus Montreal. Have God fun. damn it. Yeah, I have, will. have fun. Damn it. All right, Alex, I thought we could just uh, have a little quick look at the NHL standings. I would love this. to. So I first, would love to. Let's go to the Western Conference, eh? After all uh, the trash you threw at me. Oh, yeah, I had this coming. So the Edmonton Oilers, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Vancouver Canucks are your top three in the Pacific Division. Jesus so, Christ. So three teams we didn't think would have divisional spots. Oh, yeah, we for sure thought the Coyotes would fight for a wild card, but I didn't think the Canucks were going to make it. And, yeah, none of us thought Edmonton would be good. The outside hey, looking in, go ahead. They could, they could still they could still fall out. And we talked about this, uh, and Jeff Merrick was talking about it. The Yotes are in a great spot, and they got, they're almost out of November. Yeah, well, listen, they've got goaltending. That's what happened. And I'm I think so, that, I'm sorry, and, say, say that again? I apologized last episode. <laughs> ah, okay, I'm not apologizing against You want to talk about apologizing? Let's get to Buffalo soon. Oh, um, right. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, look, the rest of the Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights, they're 3-6-1 in their last 10. I didn't realize they were about that. They're outside looking in. The Flames are also down there. The Sharks have still not moved, and they have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Ducks are near the bottom, which is a real shame, honestly, because the Dallas Aikens, right? And then at the bottom is the LA Kings, who are, yeah, trash. Are you that surprised about Anaheim, though? Uh, you know what? I had this thing of they had John Gibson. I thought they were going to be Montreal from last year. But Why? I mean, because they have a star goalie. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Alex, they're only two points behind the Canucks. I mean, oh my they, god. wait, wait uh, a, Oh my god! It goes thirty-five Edmonton, thirty-three Col- um, Arizona, twenty-eight for Vancouver, 
<laughs> Vegas and the Flames. 27 for Ve- uh, for San Jose. Tw- uh, 26 for the Ducks. And 22 for the Kings. So the West is, uh, well, at least the Pacific, is kind of-ish tight at the bottom. It's tight, period. I mean, unless well, you're the Oilers and the and the Yotes, which is really yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Neither which is, that's weird. a little weird. Yeah. If we look at the Central Division, oh, what a surprise. The Minnesota Wild are garbage. <laughs> uh, surprise. At the, top, at the top, we have the Blues, the Stars, the Jets, who have been keeping it together. Outside of that is the Colorado Avalanche, who are, have just all the injuries. But, uh, hey, Nathan McKinnon's still really good. The Preds are still down there. They've not been great. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks are there than the Minnesota Wild. So, yeah. I mean, there's I not- a, I have a question. Yeah. So there are reports that uh, that Shane Gossespierre, Gossespierre, oh my God, has asked the team for a trade. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Now, ah, oh. there's there may be a team in the Central Division who are looking for a defenseman. <laughs> Could you imagine? One Winnipeg Jets. I thought you were going to pull the Montreal route, and I was like, I want Ghost Bear. But if they no. pulled that off, uh, that's not fair. Well, Dustin Bufflin is probably on his way out. For sure. Does Dustin Bufflin head to Philadelphia? See, why are Philly trying to trade him? That doesn't well, make it He's sense. been Apparently, he's been scratched a couple times. The This report... Says he's been scratched for three straight games, and that was put out yesterday. So he's had six points in twenty-two games. I don't get that. I do not understand that. But hey, if they want to do that, that's their prerogative. Hey, I'm not going to argue about it. <laughs> Are we surprised at anything else when it comes to the Central Division? No. Cool. Uh, going to the Metropolitan Division. The bottom we have the Devils because, of course. Then the Blue Jackets, who are where we thought they'd be. The New York Rangers are on a three-game winning streak, climbing up. The Flyers, I mean, God damn it, Philly, just pull it together. Then you have the Carolina Hurricanes, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the New York Islanders, and the Washington Capitals all secure that top of the division. By the way, the Islanders, 17, I repeat, 17 point streak, and they are still behind the Capitals. Of course, three games three, in hand. But still, you have to win them. By the way, I love how they That's just true. lost to Anaheim, but they still have a three-game losing streak because of the over- overtime wins. But uh, holy crap, the Capitals and hey, the Penguins. You said they'd be good. I did. I did not. You said and that who who was it going to be good? Uh, the Islanders or Pittsburgh. Oh, I said, no, no, I said, yeah. I said Pittsburgh would be – I said don't count out Crosby. Or uh, don't count out Evgeny Malkin when Sidney Crosby is hurt. Yeah. I think I think Philly might make a push for something. I would hope so. Uh, you have too much talent not to. So, Alex, I'm quickly looking at the goal ratings. The lowest I can see is 23 for the Devils. Uh, Detroit have minus 45. Yes, it's and bad. They have, they've lost seven straight. Everything is going according to plan. It is bad, and they are loving it. Exactly. Then at the bottom, we have the Ottawa Senators, who are not terrible. Three points ahead of them are the Buffalo Sabres. 
Uh, two points ahead of them are the, sorry, the same amount of points as the Sabres are the Tampa Bay Lightning. Montreal have fallen down behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. Montreal, of course, 27 points. Tampa have two games in over them. The Habs 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10. A five-game losing streak that was capped off by an 8-1 loss to the Boston Bruins a few days ago. The Leafs on a three-game winning streak. Tyson Berry has five points, three goals, a goal in every game. Since being since being the the recipient of the best coaching move in history, my Babcock is now gone. Of course, Sheldon Keefe is in there. Tyson Berry is loving it. The Florida Panthers are amazing somehow, even though they've lost three straight. They are second in the division, a point ahead of the Leafs, a game in hand, and of course at the top, twenty five games played, thirty nine points is the Boston Bruins. They've won five straight. Someone sounded a little upset there. Yeah, I think Pasternak had a hat trick. Uh, I don't care. Bergeron oh. was hurt. Don't Berger, wait. Was Bergeron not playing? <laughs> he wasn't. Adam. But anyway, uh, Adam. Oh my off, God. Alex, oh. make it. Alex, make it time. Make it time stamp. I'm rubbing it in. Because of course November is coming to an end, and I just wanted to say it one more time, Alex. Get the your, the bleeping ready. I want to say f- cancer. Uh, of course, uh, it is a serious thing. Cancer affects all of us. Of course, I've talked about the experience I've had with a few friends of mine who have lost their parents. Of course, I said it last time, so I'll say it again. Uh, donate to Megan's Walk, a great charity based in Toronto. Uh, of course, all that stuff. That's it for the Power Hour. It, it, but never mind, Alex, because I want to ask you, what is your read of the bye week? I have two. Okay, cool. Just break the system like we have no Sorry. rules. I get it. Uh, oh, so the- there you so, go. What are your weeks the bye week? Uh, so this is from Joshua Cloak from The Athletic. Uh, the 2010s, the 10 people who defined the decade for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I just, want to, I just want to pull out one part of it where Steve Dangle is on the list. Oh, I saw that. That's why I picked that one. That was just a shout out. Now, my real read of the week from Rob Matty of the uh, Associated Press. It's not a hockey story. It's a football story. NFL and Kaepernick still at odds on failed workout. I think this is a good piece to read. It's all about uh, Colin Kaepernick and his quote-unquote workout for NFL teams and how messy that situation is. He doesn't play again, does he? It's It's a really... Difficult situation. Probably not. Well, uh, my read of the bye week is that's the, also a decade type thing. The Montreal Canadiens, all decade team. Arpin Basu, of course, is the head of the Athletic Montreal. Uh, just talking about what it's like been for him covering the team for the last decade. And, of course, the best players for each position. Goalie, of course, Carey Price. Left D, Andre Markov. Right D, P.K. Subban. Right winger, Brendan Gallagher. Left wing, Max Pacioretty. And center was Thomas Placanek. So, uh, nice little thing. It's been a really weird decade for the Montreal Canadiens. I'll tell you that. Are we going to have to do our uh, decade team for our, for the Leafs and the Habs? I think I we mean, do. I've only been a fan since 2014, so mine's going to be like six years. But like, we could do that at the end of the Next year if we want to. You want to do it at the end of the year? Okay. Yeah. You know. Uh, Alex, anyway, we have the Leafs to talk about. We have the Habs. What do you want to get to? How about we do the Leafs first today? Because I think you're going to be more entertaining than I am. Yeah, sure. 
Uh, so did I've... you see that Michael Hutchinson is getting the start tomorrow? Of course I did. That was my first thing. <laughs> oh, I hate your team. I love my team. Um, did you know, thank you Sportsnet Stats for this, Tyson Berry is the first Leafs defenseman to score in three straight games since 2006. Can you name me the defenseman? Sorry, say that one more time. Tyson Berry is the first Leafs defenseman to score in three game, three straight games since this defenseman from October 28th to November 1st, 2006. Ah, uh, Tita, I was seven years old, Alex. Was Dion Phaneuf a Leaf by then? God, no. Oh, okay. Was Caberlet still? Was Caberlet a Leaf? Yes. I'm going to say Thomas Caberlet. It was Thomas Caberlet. Hey. I read that stat out loud during the game, and my dad laughed. And my dad doesn't watch hockey. But he and knew that, Thomas Caberlet. That, he knew Thomas Caberlet. First, who knew Tyson Berry was good at offense? Everyone except Mike Babcock. No, no, no. There's more than just Mike Babcock. Everyone who loved Mike Babcock. That's who knew, didn't know. It's so annoying. To, oh, it was like the hard, it, like it was the hardest thing to go through for twenty three games. <laughs> that these people are like, man, we need to trade Tyson Berry. No, he needs to change. And guess what? Some of us were right. Like it feels so good to be right. It just feels way too good. Number two. Please, please. Why is it that I go on Twitter and every time William Nylander does something good, someone says we have to trade William Nylander? <laughs> that, is, uh, that is the question. It's not whether to be or not to be, but it's uh, to trade or to keep William Nylander. I don't understand. Neither do I. Didn't he have a wicked goal last night, too? He had a wicked goal. He's had a pretty good season. He's going to be the best 88 to ever wear the leaf. He. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? I, I don't understand. Like, okay, what are you going to get for William Nylander? Uh, I think that you're going to get a right-handed defenseman and a second-round pick. Okay, can you name me that right-handed defenseman? A list of defensemen that, number one, are really good. Number two, fit within our cap system. Well, for cap some situation. reason, for some reason, people always think Colton Pareko. So, Colton Pareko. They're not giving up Colton Pareko. You know what's really funny, too? Tell so, me. William Nylander has already surpassed his gold total from last year. He is only six points behind his total from last year, but he's only played 26 games. Yeah, because he's good. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. Did you see that the Babcock era slogan has been removed from the Leafs dressing room? Really? Yes. Let me find you what it. Oh, it is. This is the quote. It is a privilege, not a right. That has now been removed from the dressing room. There is no new slogan. How did he last that long? It was what the team needed, but I guess no one, n none of us knew what went on. That's what the problem was. Well, Alex, 
But I want you to tell me about how does Morgan Riley look? He looks pretty good. I mean, there's listen, there's still concerns, but I'm not going to sit here and, and yell about the concerns because we're winning games. And at the end of the day, it's about winning games, not about complaining about everything. How's Cody Cece? Still a mess. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah, like still a mess. How's Jake Muzzin? Pretty good. That's nice. Doesn't he play? Has CC looked any better with Muzz or no? Yeah, he looks better. Like he looks better, I think. But it's still Cody CC, <laughs> and he hasn't been playing with Jake Muzzin. He's been playing with Morgan Riley. Oh, so they. Uh, so they. They. That's they, still. A thing. They, they still switch. Yeah. So sometimes Barry plays with Riley. Uh, most of the time, I think he plays with Dermot. I'm not complaining. I uh, think it's time we go to. The, I think it's time we go to the Montreal Canadiens. I I mean, uh, they, okay. Well, so I I I want to give a shout out to Madame Belliveau, of course, the wife of the late great Jean Belliveau, probably one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. Um, she was at the gate. She goes to a lot of Habs games. That's how she does. And she stayed till uh, the end of that game. Now, Alex, I've never left a game early because I don't believe in it. But the Habs lost 8-1, as I may have mentioned, uh, to the Boston Bruins. And Eric Angles saw her. He, uh, This is the tweet from Eric Angles. Just crossed past with Madame Elise Belliveau on staying through the end of the 8-1. <sighs> she said, Toujours jusqu'à bout. And that translates to always until the end. Now, Rachel Dore has said she's an angel living amongst us. That's coming from an angel that is Rachel Dore. Uh, I've never been more certain that her or Mr. Belliveau are Canadian royalty. We've always said, Alex, that I think well, it's been a, a, a thing that it's it was Johnny Bauer, Ted Lindsay, and John Belliveau have been the three good guys of, of like the history of the game. Now, I, I, I bring that up because that's about the only good thing that's happened to the Habs in the past week. I mean, I can go through a few things. Like, So this losing streak started against the Devils and the worst hockey game I've probably ever watched. So I, I'm hoping tonight when they play New Jersey again is going to be like Lord of the Rings. That Let's say this losing streak is the ring of power. That throwing it back into Mount Doom to where it was once forged will be the end of it and will break the curse. You know, exit the slump where it started. That's where I'm hoping everything is going to go tonight. First of all, how dare they put her through that? How dare they put such a lovely woman through that mess of a game? Uh, how dare they give Carey Price the Bronx cheer? Per Carey Price has said this is not the, obviously the first time this has happened, nor will it ever be the last. 112 games since Carey Price was pulled last. Now, do you want to know what happened the last time Michelle Therrien pulled Carey Price? Uh, did he look at the owner and say, this is my last game in a Habs jersey? No, he didn't, thankfully, but uh, Michelle Therrien was gone by the end of the year. <laughs> okay. Now, Mark Bergevin is in Chicago doing some stuff. Maybe he's going to go get Andrew Shaw back. I have no freaking clue. Coach <laughs> Julian has made no line changes. No line changes. Victor Mete and Max Dolly are joking around about fighting 
about all back when I was playing for London, Dale Hunter said I couldn't fight. They are joking and smiling like nothing has happened. Like they didn't just allow like 13 goals in two games. I don't understand why everyone is so happy. Oh, great. Uh, Mark Bergerman's going to talk to Alex Romanov in Russia. Like, like he's not going to be here till next year. Oh, the Habs are looking to make a trade. Oh, they have so much cat space and assets. It's been like that for the past half a century. So not half century, half decade. Half decade it's been like this, and nothing has been done. So I don't know what you want me to say. Like, it, it's, it's a mess. It has nothing to do with Jonathan Druin being gone. Jonathan Druin is not Mark Stone. He's not a two-way player. Paul Byron is not that either. So I don't understand why everyone is saying, oh, we're missing these two guys. Well, they don't contribute defensively. That's well, the main problem. Right. The re- no, the reason I asked you... The reason I asked you that last episode was because we had a conversation. Now, I don't remember if it is... Uh, if it was on the podcast or if it was separately. We were talking about the Marner injury. And I said, like, that's a pretty big... Pre- that's a pretty big injury for the Leafs. And... And you go, and you said that you thought the Druen injury could potentially be a bigger injury, or Druen and Byron injury could be bigger, a bigger injury for the Canadians. Because unlike the Leafs, you get your scoring from everyone, right? Yes. You don't get your score. It's not condensed to four or five players. So that's why I asked you that last episode when we were talking about Druen and Byron being injured. I wanted I wanted to know if that could potentially be something, and I'm guessing based on your response right now that that's not the case. If they were having trouble scoring, I would say so. If the power play was an issue, which it is, I would say so. Now the reason I just say it is is because you have Mike Riley and Charles Houdon working it when Victor Mete is not doing anything. It is oh. not Paul Byron and Jonathan Drew that they're the reason that you allow eight goals. There is more to it than that. And I don't know why they are smiling about it. I have no answers. But hasn't the like is has the power play and penalty kill not been a not not been a problem for a while? The power play was, of course, the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year. But this year, it has been good. Now, there have been some finishing issues because the Montreal Canadiens don't have one. But it wasn't an issue why they were losing. The penalty kill was at the start of the year, but has drastically improved. Okay. So, what's the problem? Because I look at... Okay, so let me just pull up uh, Carey Price's number here. I'm not blaming Carey Price. No, no, I'm not blaming Carey Price. I'm looking at... I have both the goalies up right now. Keith Kincaid is one one and two, and Carey Price is ten seven and three. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't really d- mean anything, but Carey Price is not is a, has a nine hundred save percentage and a goals against a, a GAA of just above three. Yes. Keith Kincaid, eight seven seven save percentage, uh, goals against average above four. Yes. So, is the what? Where are the problems coming from? So, in regards to the goalies, I've been very adamant that Keith Kincaid's numbers don't reflect his play because the Habs just don't like to play well in front of him. And the game when he played against New Jersey, he was fantastic. Now, at the start of the year, Carey Price's numbers have not looked good all year. And the start of the year, Paul Byron said himself, if it wasn't Carey Price, these three, four goals would turn into six, seven goals. Now, I know that before the show started, um, Andrew Berkshire put out a tweet talking about Price's performance and the defense in front of him. I haven't got to read it yet. But from an outsider looking in, 
This team has not been good defensively in front of him. I go into the fetal position when the puck is in Montreal's own zone. And so, they just fall apart. So you said something interesting there. You said Paul Byron said that if it wasn't for Carey Price, we'd be letting in five or six goals rather than three or four. Yes. So is it they can't outscore their problems? They were, but I think it's they, I said it before last episode, I believe. There are a lot of comeback wins. And, <clears throat> and I that, think now it's come back to bite them in the ass. It has. And they and it, the worst part was they were winning games they weren't supposed to, but the problem was it wasn't at the end of a slump. Now they started losing games they were supposed to win and it's put everything into a rack. Okay. So next steps are what? They need to come out and kick New Jersey's ass. They need, they seem to be like, they're not in low spirits, which it, is it pissing me off? Yes. But at the same time, at least they don't hate each other. This is a team that's gotten along very, very well over the past few years. Um, so the next step is, first of all, I, you need to make, Alex, I can't be this stupid that you've just lost 8-1 and there hasn't, there haven't been any line changes. Like, I, again, I've never coached, I've never played, but there's some part of me that if you're on a five-game losing streak, you should change something. And I don't think I'm crazy in thinking that two AHL normals shouldn't be running your power play. I, I, I can't be that thick. So, but that's not... We were talking about coaching before. Now, do you think it comes down to... Like we talked about Toronto. We said Mike Babcock basically has control of it or had control of everything mm -hmm. is that the case in montreal like those two assistant coaches are there to help julian but julian's running the power play and penalty kill see i don't think that's the case because claude julian only got involved in the penalty kill when it was going sour and he seemed to have fixed it the power play I have no clue if he's gotten involved. I don't think so because I've only been seeing Kirk Muller do all the work. And I, I'm going to be clear. It's not like Claude Julien has ever been afraid to make a change during a game or like mix up his lines. He's been doing it all year. It's just he stopped doing it in the middle of a five-game skin. So it, are there coaching problems? The power play right now seems to be the biggest problem. I don't – and also for some reason, oh, you know how we answer back from, from being scored on. Fourth liners. So it's just it, like Claude Julian has just seemed to stop doing his normal thing, and I don't get it. I'm not saying fire Claude. I know how good a coach he is. He's not Babcock stubborn, but I just don't know what's going through his mind right now. Okay, so we know that from, from a coach and player standpoint, the next step are to, number one, make changes, and number two, play better. What do you see in their game over the last what you said five games mm -hmm. what do you see in the in their game over the last five games that hasn't impressed you or something that's changed from the previous games see you know what's weird they had that remember they had that spurt where they couldn't stop allowing goals in the last minute yes it stopped for a bit during the stretch and a bit before the losing streak started. It came up again against the Bruins game, but that's, that game is just everything that could go wrong in a nutshell, right? So it, it seemed to me they were improving for stuff. And I, I'm trying to think back on every game now. 
the range, I think the big problem for them has been complacency, and we talked about this. So I, be, I think the big thing is they need to get motivated again. They, they're a team that's a grunt team and needs to work on it. A big thing was during the Rangers game on the power play, they had no one in front of the net. Now, I, I, feel, I don't need to tell you much about this team to, know, to tell you that, hello, Brennan Gallagher lives there, right? Right. So I think what's changed is I think they've started to step away for some, maybe it's because of the lack of Jonathan Drew and they're all trying to do something special. They've stepped away from the identity of their grunts go to the net. Okay. But is, okay, so is there something that, because it seems like something just needs to click with the players. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would argue that's the coach's job. Uh, as well as the players. But if the players can't do it themselves, then the coaches need to do something. Is it? Is there something that management can do? Are there steps that management can take to fix this process or to fix this slump? Or just I, genuinely improve the team? See, you know, I think... So the big trades that everyone... It's either... I don't think they're going to make a big move. Unless Taylor Hall becomes a realistic thing here, until I hear Friedman or Merrick talk about Montreal having a chance of grabbing him, then I'm not going to count that as a thing. Do I think there needs to be a deal overall? Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't think it needs to be getting the biggest fish, but I've talked about they need that left-handed defenseman. The problem is I realized this the other day. I said that they need a finisher and they need a left-handed D. So the big thing people would think about, all right, so... Trade for Shane Ghost is better. Trade for Taylor Hall. The big problem, and it's a big, really, really big issue for Montreal, is a left-handed defenseman, okay, Alex Romanov, a finisher, Cole Caulfield. They're guys that are going to be ready in a year or two, but with Weber and Price, you have to go now, 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 now. Now, do I management? I think this is a bold strategy, and it may be really dumb. But if I'm them and I'm getting really sick and tired of what's going on with this team, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? This team is built on its youth. Hello, Jake Evans. Hello, Ryan Paling. Come up here. Thompson. Hey, KK, you haven't been good. Doby, get off. You're on the wing. You're at the bottom six. And you just inject those younger guys and teach the old... The, the vets on this case who are only like 24, 25. Listen, dickheads. You're not going to get away with this any longer. Unleash the youngins. Let's cause some chaos. Maybe there there needs to be a more breath or fresh air into this lineup, and maybe it comes with a Jake Evans or a Ryan Bailing, who they weren't giving the time to before, but I think they need to try and do it now. Okay, but the, okay, so you mentioned the finisher. What if you? Well, how long until Jonathan Drouin comes back? Ah, uh, another month at least. Not more than a month. So. You wait a month, there's your finisher. No, John, see, the big criticism is Montreal haven't had an elite scorer in a while, and Jonathan Drewin could be a top-line player, but he's not, he is not Nathan McKinnon. No, oh, that's a bit high. He's not a Taylor Hall. And you don't, like, are they willing to pay the price to get that superstar, right? Well, if the price is is like that, I think a team like Montreal could you give okay what did i say before a first round pick and a prospect which they do have an ample supply of right if that's the price i don't know what prospect they're asking for 
like let's say Mark Bergevin called and said, okay, we'll give you first and prospect. What prospect is New Jersey asking for? Because that changes the entire question. That changes the entire answer for Bergevin. See, if they wanted a defensive prospect, I, I know Montreal wouldn't want... Quickly, before I answer that, I, I know you were asking about a trade thing, and normally Bergevin doesn't do the big trade moves, but you are right. If this price is as low as New Jersey are willing to do it, Bergevin, he could do it. So it would either be, if they wanted an NHL-ready defenseman, it's Victor Mete or it's Kale Fleury, right? Or they try and go the route of, all right, this guy may not be ready now, but he will be, and that's Josh Brook, who was a finalist for Defenseman of the Year in the WHL last year. Or if they wanted a forward prospect, maybe you do throw in Ryan Paling because of the emergence of Nick Suzuki, Max Domi, Phil Deneau, and Jesperi Kotkinemi down the middle. And then Montreal have a second second. They have a bunch of fourths. You could throw something in there. I think if there is a team that have the cat space and the assets to outbid another team to get Taylor Hall, it is Montreal. I'm just trying to be careful not to get my hopes up. And at the same time, would Bergevin do it is the only question. Because he was going to get Duchesne, but he didn't want to give up a Juleson or a Sherback. So it has to be a question of, is Bergevin willing to pull the trigger? Right. Which, I mean, he, he's Would, done it in the past. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he has. Is Taylor Hall someone who's a rental, or is he someone you look at resigning? See, if it's only the price that New Jersey are wanting then I would live with him being a rental, but at the same time, once you get him, you want him, right? And, I mean, does Taylor Hall strike you as the kind of guy who would love playing in a big market? Um, well, I'm just trying to think where he's played Edmonton, and it didn't really go well there. New Jer- There hasn't been a lot of controversy that I've known of in New Jersey. He talked about loving the playoffs and the energy there, right? And, I mean, Alex, I may be a Habs fan, but we can both agree the energy around the league, probably the three best arenas, are probably the Bell Center, Nashville, and Vegas. Yes. And look at what it's done for Max Domi, right? See, the only problem is, Alex, is the Duchesne rumors are there forever. They... They they got us excited for Tavares. There was the Eric Carlson rumors for two days. I I just I don't want to get my hopes up. But like, could I see him only being a rental? Yes, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Bergevin gets him and says, "Hey guy, do you want your own McDonald's burger?" Yeah, but then it comes with you're gonna over. If you're listen, we talked about it. Uh, last episode, we went into a little bit with Taylor Hall, and you're going to have to overpay. Yes. Are you willing to overpay Taylor Hall for eight years? I'm going to say yes, because you'd rather overpay your superstars than your scrubs. Yes, we've had that discussion before. Oh, okay. The, yeah. So I, I would be okay with it. I would be. Uh, because no matter what, I have Taylor Hall and you don't. That's how I look so at it. So eight years at twelve million, you'd be fine with. I I think at first I'd be like, mm, but then I think I'd get over it because I have Taylor Hall. And how about well, how old is Taylor Hall? I think he's what twenty eight. 
So how about the back half of that contract? Uh, that is a problem for for four years from now. Yeah, he he uh, ju- he just turned twenty eight on the fourteenth. Congratulations, late late birthday to Taylor Hall. Okay. Oh, I never knew he he was born in Calgary. Could you imagine if they got him? Well, but yeah. that's we were talking about before. They root they offered Anderson in a first, which is what essentially they were asking for. Right, Alex, a first and a defensive NHL ready defensive prospect. You know what wouldn't surprise me either, and I'm not just saying this if he went to Montreal, but also if he went to another team he liked, is I wouldn't be surprised if the number was actually less than twelve, because you have to imagine New Jersey would have to pay the Buffalo tax or the Toronto tax of hey, listen. Or more Buffalo that hey, we're bad, please stay. Okay. I, I maybe they like they're getting New Jersey to pay that in negotiations, but then again, it's Darren Ferris. I would be surprised. So, but like, I yeah, I was gonna say, there's no chance he resigns in in New Jersey. Oh no, he's but, not. We talked about this, he's right? Gone. He's got. He's gone, and he's going to hit free agency unless he joins a team. And I and there haven't been a lot of talks about what team he wants to play for unless he picks a team uh, he joins a gets traded to a team that he would consider signing with he's going to free agency mm-hmm. because that's as soon as uh, it came out around the same time that John Tavares hit free agency he was very okay with hitting the open market oh yeah and from that point if I was a New Jersey fan, I would be worried. Because, yeah, you made the playoffs and then he won the Hart Trophy. That means nothing if you play like garbage. That was the worst thing to happen to them, wasn't it? That might have been the worst thing to happen to that team, that they made the playoffs. Which is weird to say. Because they've been missing a goalie for how long? Ah, uh, for about four or five years. When was the last time since Martin Broder left? Okay, no, I wouldn't. No, no, Schneider was good for a few years. I, I wouldn't go back to Marty. No, I'm going back to Marty. Uh, I would say since fifteen. Okay, 15. he had he, he had three good years. Fine, he has with three good New, years with New Jersey. With the, don't forget, he was he was good as a Canuck. Give him a credit. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking about New Jersey. I mean. Yeah, and they, they did nothing with him, and they did nothing with him. And then he got he had his hip hip injury, which I which he probably still hasn't properly recovered from, and they're just not doing anything. No, now they they brought in PK. Hey, they, well, the and let's be honest, it's not peak PK anymore. The ghost of PK Subban. They brought in Nikita Gusev. Why'd you say that? He's gonna kill us tonight. Who? PK. Now that you said that. Hey, that's your problem, not mine. Oh, thanks. No problem. But yeah, so we'll see what ha- like he's gonna hit the open market. Yeah. And it's going to be a very interesting July first. That's for sure. Who else are free agents? I wonder. Besides, is it what is like him and Petrangelo are the big guys? Those are the big boys. Well done, Alex. I will oh, get. Go what? ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, Wayne Simmons is a free agent. Yeah, I guess. Has he even been good this year? I'm let's look sure. up Wayne. Let's look up Wayne Simmons' numbers. Wayne Simmons has ten points in twenty-three games played, four goals. Could be better. Could be worse. It could be. Wayne, Wayne, oh, Alex, I think that's it for today. Right? Oh, Braden Holby. Braden Holby. What about Braden Holby? Is in is in our is a UFA at the end of the oh, year. And Backstrom. And Backstrom. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the. Well, we're just recording it. We're at the hour of forty-three. Mark, Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed this episode of the 2-on-1 podcast, then you should be sure to rate, subscribe, leave a review on the show. Also, check out the show's YouTube and Instagram pages. Link will be in the description below as well as, as, well as me and Alex's social medias. Along with my YouTube channel, hopefully, Alex. Um, maybe Daniel's stuff. Probably not, though, because he doesn't like us anymore. Uh, but I think that's everything, yeah. Yes. All right, goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 2-on-1 Podcast.